1 Samuel chapter 5. Um, I had a Bible teacher that always said, uh, you know God has a sense of humor, all you got to do is look in the mirror. I don't get it, um, but no one else does either, or no one finds it funny, one of the two. Uh, but uh, um, this story is, to me, I, I guess it's not a sense of humor necessarily, but I find it rather humorous um, at, at the degree. It's, it's actually, I guess God is not being funny as much as he is being incredibly serious, but, um, but I look at this as one of, one of my favorite stories it gets talked about, but it kind of gets overlooked a lot at the same time. Um, in, in chapter 4, you could go back and read the Philistines come and they take the Ark of the Covenant. And, uh, and we're going to read about the result of that here in chapter 5. Um, in the process of doing that, Eli dies. Actually, if you go back into chapter 4, verse number 17... Um, a messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, uh, the Philistines, and there have been also a great slaughter among the people, and thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the Ark of God, is taken. And it came to pass when he, uh, Eli, uh, excuse me, the messenger, made mention of the Ark of God, that he, Eli, fell from off the seat backwards by the side gate, uh, or the side of the gate, and his neck break, and he died, for he was an old man and heavy, and he had judged Israel 40 years. So we see the, the death of Eli uh, and his two sons occurred during this uh, situation where the Philistines had come, they'd taken the ark, um, they carried it off, and, uh, and that's where we come into chapter 5, and it says in verse number 1, and the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from uh, Ebenezer to Ashdod, when the Philistines, Philistines took the Ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. So Dagon is their god, it's who they worshipped, uh, and he, they come in and they put it right next or in the same room uh, as Dagon. And this is where the story gets really, really, in my opinion, hilarious. Again, I think God is much more serious about it than, than I have been. Uh, but in verse number 3, When they uh, of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. So, so they come in in the morning. Uh, they put the ark there. They come in in the morning, and Dagon, their idol, is worshiping God. He has fallen over, face down, towards the ark. They pick him up. I'm thankful I serve a God I don't have to pick up. They pick him up, and they reset him. Verse number 4, And when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump, the stump of Dagon was left to him. So now he was fallen down again in a worship-type sense to the ark. But his head and his uh, hands cut off. All that's left of him is the stump. I'm thankful I serve a God that doesn't have a stump. Uh, I'll tell you what, this is in, to me it's one of the most intriguing two verses in Scripture where you just see they place the ark, uh, and the ark, I mean, it's a symbol, yes, uh, of the presence of God in, in, with the Israelites. 
Um, but it's taken very seriously by God. I mean, you can go back and read the instructions, and we'll see a little bit of it here, of how you're supposed to transport the ark, um, how, what you're not supposed to do with the ark, all these kinds of things. It's a very important, uh, and, and it's much more than just a piece of furniture. It's a very important piece. And they set it in the, the same place as their God. They come in the first morning, and their God is down in a worshiping mode to the ark. They come in the next day, it's fallen over again, uh, and this time it's, it's been uh, mutilated. And, uh, and it's just intriguing. Verse number 5, Therefore neither the priests of Dagon nor any that come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod unto this day. Um, they, they understood something was going on here. Um, but they didn't still really comprehend everything that it was. They were about to with one of the wildest... Um, I guess punishment's the right word, uh, that God has put on to someone. Verse number 6, But the hand of the Lord was heavy upon them of Ashdod, and he destroyed them and smote them with emeralds, even Ashdod and the coast thereof. We're going to continue, and then we're going to come back to this. Uh, verse number 7, And when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, The ark of the God of Israel shall not abide with us, for his hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God. They sent therefore and gathered all the lords of the Philistines unto them and said, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? And they answered, Let the ark of the God of Israel be carried about unto Gath. And they carried the ark of the, of the God of Israel to uh, about thither. And it was so that after they had carried it about, the hand of the Lord was against the city with a very great destruction. And he smote the men of the city, both small and great, and they had emeralds in their secret parts. This is wild, I, just absolutely wild. And I apologize for some of the conversations you might have to have on the ride home. Uh, but the, uh, the, the emeralds um, appear to be hemorrhoids. Uh, and and it's, it's, a, it's, a, 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 uh, it's a blood issue. And, and it's, I'm sitting here going, and I, I mean, I know this story. I've heard this story uh, um, as a kid, and, and especially in school, Bible class at school, more so than Sunday schools and things like that. But <laughs> God was, was against them because they stole the ark, and he smote them with a physical infirmity that was very painful and uncomfortable, and honestly, from what we read in Scripture, unique compared to the other things that he'd struck people with on other, on other issues. And to me, is it not humiliating for the Philistines for all of eternity <laughs> to be reading about this? I mean, there are things that you don't want people to know about your physical status. There are things that are between you and a doctor, and that's all that anybody needs to know, right? Like, I don't need to know all your physical infirmities. I don't need someone to come and tell me everything they got going on. These are things that you would prefer to keep secret. Um, yet God puts it in Scripture for eternity. So not only is it the pain that they went through in this process, but then it's the really the public shaming, the public humility that they go through the rest, the humiliation that they go through for the rest of history at the same time. And I just think it's wild that that's what God chose to strike them with. Um, but nonetheless, they, under, they were getting to that point of understanding now where they're like, you know, we don't want this in our town. Let's take it to this town. And so they move it to another town. Now that town's 
going through issues. As a matter of fact, it says in verse number uh, 10, therefore they sent the ark, um, sorry, they sent the ark, where am I at? Uh, therefore they sent the ark of God to Ekron, and it came to pass as the ark of God came to Ekron that the Ekronites cried out saying, they have brought about the ark of the God of, the, of Israel to us to slay us and our people. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away the ark of the God of Israel and let it go again to his own place, that it slay us not and our people. For there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city. The hand of God was very heavy there. Um, verse number 12, And the men that died not, they were smitten with emeralds. And the cry of the city went up to heaven. I mean, this is, the, the, you got two options, and the emeralds are the better of the option here. Um, those that didn't die got that, uh, and, and the other ones died. So, I mean, you're looking here at this. Now, again, if, you've, if you grew up in church, or especially if you grew up in a Christian school, and you had Bible classes, and you learned a lot about the Ark of the Covenant, you learned a lot about the, um, uh, the spirituality of it, the, God's love for it, and the importance of it, and all of that kind of thing, then you get this. It's a blessing when it's where it's supposed to be, and it's a curse when it's where it's not supposed to be. And uh, you're not supposed to touch it, you're not supposed to open it, you're not supposed to do any of these things. Problems come as a result of it. These people took it, they stole it, um, and, and it would be like, in their minds, if someone came in and stole Dagon, you know, they were out of statue. And that's kind of how they viewed the ark. And that's why God is not made of graven image, because you can't take them. And they came, you could come and steal Dagon out of, out of Dagon's house, and the people would be mad about it. But outside of that, it's just a piece of furniture that's gone. The ark was different. And they didn't realize that what they were taking, I'm going to try to see if I can say this the right way, um, it wasn't that they were taking the presence of God out of the Israelites, but what they were doing is they were pulling the presence of God into their midst in a way that they were not ready for. Um, is God there present? Yes, but you understand what I'm saying by this. They pulled in the wrath of God when they took the ark. And, uh, and that was a big deal. That's why Eli, I mean, yes, the loss of his sons, but then when they mentioned that the ark was taken, Eli fell back and he broke his neck. It was a big, it was a big hit. It's a big surprise. It's a big shock. All these kinds of things. So that everywhere now the ark is going, problems are happening. So what should the Philistines do? Look in verse six of chapter six. Wherefore then do ye harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh hardened their hearts when ye, when he had wrought wonderful among them, wonderfully among them, did they not let the people go and they departed? So the question is brought up, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> you know the problem. The problem is you've got the ark. Take it back. Why are you acting like Pharaoh when he hardened his heart? Now this tells you the history that has followed through time, not just with the Israelites, but with other nations as well. They remembered what God did in Egypt. And so the, the response was, you need to take it back. What are you doing still holding on to it? Have you not seen the damage that has been done as a result of this? Take it back. That's what they need to do. Chapter 6 is a continuation of this, and it talks about um, them going back. Verse number 10, uh, the men did so, and they took two milch uh, kind 
and tied them to a cart and shut up their calves uh, at home. And they laid the ark of the Lord upon the cart and the, uh, the coffer with the uh, mice of gold and the images of emeralds, which is intriguing as well. And the kine uh, took the straightaway to the way of Bethshemesh uh, and went along the highway lowing as they went. Uh, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left hand. And the lords of the Philistines went after them under the border of Beth Shemesh. So they put it on a cart. They built a cart, a special, specific cart. They made uh, a golden emeralds. They made golden mice. And they put them on this cart with it as well. Verse 14, at the end of the verse, they uh, had a burnt offering unto the Lord. The Levites come in in verse 15. They took down the ark of the Lord and the coffer that was with it, wherein the jewels of gold were, and put them uh, on the great stone. And the men of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and sacrifice, sacrifices that same day uh, to the Lord. And it goes on throughout this process um, here. Verse number 19, uh, the men of Beth Shemesh were, were smitten, were smote, uh, because they had looked into the ark of the Lord uh, and uh, even he smote the people, 50,000 and threescore and ten men. And the people lamented because the Lord had smitten many of the people with a great slaughter. And the men of Bethshemesh said, uh, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And to whom shall he, go, uh, shall he go up from us? And they sent messengers into the inhabitants of uh, Kirjath-Jerim, saying, The Philistines have brought again the ark of the Lord. Come ye down and fetch it up to you." Uh, we just continue to see this destruction happening wherever the ark is when it's not where it's supposed to be. And, and it tells us specifically this town was, was wiped out as a result of them looking into the ark. They weren't supposed to do that. Just leave it be. So they finally send off and say, come get your ark. Look at chapter 7. Um, <clears throat> if you'll bear with me, I'd like to read it. It's just revival. Ultimately is what it is. The men of Kirjath-Jerim uh, came and fetched up the ark of the Lord, and he brought it into the house of Abinadab uh, in the hill and sanctified Eleazar, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass, while the ark abode in Kirjath-Jerim, um, that the time was long, for it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods of Ashtaroth and Ashtaroth and among you, uh, from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Now remember, this is really Samuel's first public that we see at the very least. It, I think it's been done before. But we really see Samuel now taking that uh, mantle from Eli the priest and really becoming the prophet and what, what we know Samuel as. Um, him talking to the people on behalf of God. Uh, verse number 4, The children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel and Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together in Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord for God, our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, 
the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came to Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and called the name of, of it uh, Eben, Ebenezer, M. Ebenezer uh, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron even unto Gath, and the coast thereof did Israel deliver out of the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life, and he went from year to year in circuit to Bethel and Gilgal and Mizpah and judged Israel in all those places. And his uh, return was to Ramah, uh, for there was his house, and there he judged Israel, and there he built an altar unto the Lord. So we see uh, Samuel's introduction into public servanthood, so to say. Um, uh, it's a lot more than that, of course. And, uh, and on the heels of the ark and everything that happened with it, they gathered together to offer. And as they do, the, Israel, uh, the Philistines said, let's go get them. They're all together in Mizpah. And God destroyed the Philistines there um, and what was left the men chased after, uh, and we see there that, uh, that there was, uh, um, it was subdued at that point. Uh, and the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. What do we know about the Philistines in the days of Samuel? We're going to talk about it in the coming weeks. David and Goliath. Um, the Lord was against the Philistines. The Philistines didn't have a chance. And uh, we just kind of see this Samuel coming into his own. We're going to look at next week uh, the people calling for a king. And uh, we'll talk about that, and then we get into the life of David following that as well. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing to watch through and to see how God, um, I don't know, I, I, again, it's probably to say it's God's sense of humor is the wrong way to put it because he takes it much more seriously than that. But to see Dagon worship the ark, um, to see the infirmities that struck the enemies of God's people um, and the people who stole the ark, uh, to me, I just sit here and I go, my goodness, um, I'm just thankful we don't serve Dagon. Uh, I'm thankful that we serve God and understand that God is God. Um, and uh, uh, we need to worship him like he's God. We need to serve him like he's God. We need to obey him like he's God because he is God, um, and that's an important thing. So next week we'll look at the call for a king, um, and then we'll look uh, going into David's life following uh, that as well. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for the day that you've given us, and we thank you for the opportunity to come, to sing, to fellowship, uh, to, uh, to, to learn of you and your word. Uh, Lord, I'm so thankful for the many uh, hands and hearts that make it possible, um, and the servant spirit of our church. Lord, I pray that you'd continue to grow that. Uh, we thank you for uh, the blessings um, that we have as a result of you, and uh, Lord, I pray that we would be faithful to serve you to understand your power and your authority, um, and Lord, that we'd live a life that would please you. Uh, help us this week. Uh, give us the things that we need. Lord, we pray for continued health, and uh, Lord, that we pray that you'd bring us back together soon. Um, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.